0: Well, welcome everybody. Thank you for being here. Um, I generally think that I'm better on paper. Love those. Think I'm generally better on paper, so I have lots of notes. But I also don't know what an H D is. But my doctor says I have 80 of them. So ADHD joke. It's fine. It's fine. So we'll see how we'll see how much I, I read off of here. I'll try not to be monotone while doing it, at least. But um, Angie asked me to teach a lesson today. Um saying that it'd be really good, and it would be on transformation and she just put me down on the schedule so i don't know if I you know had i don't know if I gave permission for that one, but it 's here so it's fine <laughs> um, thinking of transformation like i i didn't think it'd be that broad of a category, but obviously like it's a really broad category um once you start like trying to to form a lesson around it so Let's, let's break it down a little bit. Immediately, I think of the Transformers movie. So here's some quotes. Enter Megatron. No, no, we're not actually going to do that. But if anybody could get something biblical out of the Transformers movie, it would be NG. So <laughs> here we go. So you think transformation, transformation, transformation. Did you know there's actually st- statistical evidence that shows that standing like a superhero? actually, like, improves your mood and increases your testosterone. So it actually makes your day better, too. Stand like Wonder Woman, I think. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Or does transformation just happen on Tuesdays on Facebook, you know, in front of a gym mirror? (laughs) Thank you. I have been working out. I know you've all been noticing. (laughs) No, um, transformation is something that we do throughout our lives. Um, our minds grow, they make connections, they move from putty, moldable, kinetic, to more rigid and plastic as we age. Um, usually it takes to the late 20s or even 30s for our minds to like fully enter this final stage. So kids, be ready. Teens, bless your parents. And wives, still waiting on your husbands. It's okay. It's all right. We'll get there. <laughs> So ultimately, it comes down to uh, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. The Bible says, love the Lord with all your heart. Um, accept Jesus into your life, and you'll have eternal life. Go to church. Wear the armor of God. Don't murder, adulterize, or steal. Get baptized. Fit in. Don't question what your pastor says. Come on. It's not that hard, right? The church wants us to follow these things. Do these works, and you'll be good, right? It's good. You get baptized. And after a week, you're going like, man, Becky's so cool. Becky, my goodness, she has her Starbucks and Birkenstocks, and she is so cool. Right? <laughs> so but we come to church and we feel like now we need to <laughs> we need to show up put together. Right? Like we we show up, we put our tie on, because all you have ties, I'm sure. But (laughs) we show up and we feel like a fraud. Right? That we don't have all the answers, that we don't know who we are anymore. And who do we turn to? Thank you for the for the reference there, Angie. I just got it. (laughs) So Push open, we feel like a fraud. And and if we listen to the church, that's what we hear, right? We hear, do these things and you will be saved. Right? I I looked at a pamphlet from the church, and it said, Romans three twenty three, for we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Isaiah fifty nine two. Your in- inequities have separated you from God. Your sense of hidden his face from you so that you will not hear. That's like fire and brimstone, right? Like, ooh, ouch, you know? None of these things are wrong, but the implications are bigger than this. So I've been back and forth on this. I, I God kept me up late one night, up until midnight writing, and I wasn't sure how this would fit in, but he reminded me of a story that I had. Um, I don't like to do work stories because I want to be more like one dimensional than the fact that I'm a paramedic. But, um, we had a bad car accident and a mom showed up at the hospital and she was very concerned about the fact that, um, she was, she was worried that her son who was in the car accident, he went unresponsive, um, after the car accident. She was worried that he had his, St. Christopher medal, I think, one of the medals, like, you know, she wanted to make sure that he had it, make sure that he had said his, his, his prayer, make sure he made it right, right, make sure his sins were absolved from God, an action that she thought would save his eternal soul. And honestly, like, that's some, that's a memory that I had repressed for some time because it was, it was hurtful to me that the church would, 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 present this, that you have to have this action, you have to have this action to gain God's favor. Now, I know that we all all have this, right? We all go week to week, we show up, we put ourselves together for church, right? Sometimes we feel like a fraud, sometimes we feel like we don't know what this is. I want to present today that, that God does not work like that. The, the crisis in our lives are not punishments, they're not wrath. Crisis, wilderness, stress, whatever you want to call it, that's how transformation works. It's not a single act in our lives. It's something that we have to do regularly. That this, that this crisis, this wilderness, is the time that we have to improve ourselves, to transform ourselves. So we're going to look at some stories in the Bible here. There's lots and lots and lots of these. You know, I think Jesus used these um, teachings to show us that this isn't just something that we do once, and then we're done. So Joshua, if you want to follow along, Joshua 1, mostly in 6 and 7. Joshua was born a slave in Egypt, along with the rest of the Israelites. He only saw liberation of his people under the leadership of Moses. He was 40 years old. And after that, he had to wait another 40 years before entering, entering the promised land. Because of this sin of the other Israelites. But all the while, when he was in Egypt, in the desert, Joshua did not give up on following God. In the face of the challenges they faced, many other Israelites lost hope and turned to idolatry. They had seen the power and wonders of God, but they had no endurance. Therefore, they did not receive their inheritance. Joshua was different. He saw everything and decided to put all of his trust in God. The wait was long and difficult. But in the end, he led Israel to conquer the promised land. Joshua persevered, and he received his promised inheritance. There's Anna, First Samuel 1, mostly 9 through 11. She was sterile, but wanted to have a child. Year after year, she prayed for a son with great sadness, with no answer. Even so, she did not abandon her faith and reject God. She kept asking, putting all of her trust in God. One day, Hannah was praying in the temple and promised that if she had a child, she would would be dedicated to God. The priest told her that she was going to get what she asked for, and came home and got pregnant. Her son Samuel grew up in the temple and became a great prophet of Israel. God blessed Anna for her perseverance and faithfulness, and gave her five other children. We can't forget Job, of course. Job himself was called blameless. He served God from the heart. In times of good and bad, he was blessed for his faithfulness and had everything, but one day he lost it all. His children died. His goods were stolen. Job became very ill. Even so, he persevered. In his suffering, Job questioned many things, such as the reason for living and the actions of his God, but he did not stop believing in God and putting his trust in him. Hence, Job is mentioned is a great example of perseverance and suffering in the Bible. Job persevered in his faith, and God restored his health. He gave him even more wealth and blessed him with many descendants. Paul, mostly in 2 Corinthians 11. Paul was very successful as a missionary, but he suffered a lot. Everywhere he preached, Paul made enemies. He was run out of many cities, attacked, arrested, accused of being fake, and even suffered assassination attempts. In addition, his voyages were very dangerous, and he was shipwrecked three times. Many people think preaching the gospel would not be worth so much suffering, but Paul loved Jesus and loved his neighbor so much that he was not discouraged by the problems. His love helped him to endure, and the results were incredible. Paul founded many churches among various people and wrote half of the New Testament books. Even today, Paul's perseverance blessed many. Right. So how do we balance these accounts? Right. It can feel hypocritical or hypocritical, right? Where we, you know, I reference so many of these scriptures, right? And, and say it with kind of, you know, a hypocritical tone, right? These, these references that I had before, right? These aren't wrong. These are very basic elements, right? How do we, how do we ignore some passages and quote others? And through all of this, I've settled on you know, how we perceive things, how we look at things, right? We can look at our trials and crisis and wilderness and come to two very different conclusions, right? We can be encouraged or we can be bitter, right? Bitter people are usually bitter for a reason. Um, For me, it came down to study, devotion, and meditation. So when we read scriptures, it's study, right? Devotion is figuring out what it means to you. And meditation is what it comes down to and how it will manifest itself in your life. So while I was preparing this, like I said, God kept me up late one night. I felt the need to write down quite a lot of things that he was speaking to me. And one of these things that kept coming up is the word leaven. I don't know how much of you, how many of you know what leaven is. One no, one solid no. Um, so it's you know, it's 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 the thing that makes bread rise, right? Yeast, leaven. Um, way back when they, they ate mostly like unleavened bread, so just like fle- flat pita bread, things like that. Um, there's actually a lot of references to leaven in the Bible, most of them not very favorable, right? So First Corinthians 5.7 says, remove every trace of your leaven of compromise with sin, so you might become new and pure again, right? That's kind of like the most positive um, like reference to it, but God just was speaking to me that like we are leaven or leaven is present, regardless of the situation, right um it, it you know I think there's warnings in the Bible saying that like even a small trace, right, even a small trace of it can become large and and in my study and meditation, right, I came to the conclusion that leaven is what you make of it, right. You can read this as the trace of your leaven of compromise with sin so that you may become new here again. You can read this with anger, vindictiveness, right? Negativity. God is, God is warning you, punishing you, right? All of these things, these crises, right? God is just mad. God is putting me in the wilderness, right? When I meditated, God said, leaven. What is leaven? It takes time, right? In bread, it takes the effort of kneading. It takes an oven. It takes pressure, time. Do we know how grape juice turns into wine? Still no. Got it. Time. And a battle between lightness and darkness. Literally, there's, there's times of making alcohol that if light shines into it, it will, it will not be good. Um, even acidity, right? How long that we leave this out. It will either turn into sweet wine or it will turn into vinegar. So this is the whole point for me. And and I think we need to stop looking at these crises that we go through as an attack and a separation between you and God. And think of it as a proving ground. Are you going to come out the other side as wine? Or are you going to come out as red? And I think the difference is our reaction to it. The difference is the heat, the pressure, the light and dark. I believe God will listen to you. If you if you yell, God, I've had enough, he'll listen. He'll save you from this time and these events. But I believe you'll come out the other side tasting more like vinegar than wine. Bitter people usually have a reason to be bitter. So transformation is not a singular event that happens once in our lives, right? You can't be saved, you can't be baptized, and think, this is is my transformation, my one transformation, right? We have to do this daily. We can't let these crises define us. When we step up, look around, take another step up. Sometimes it might feel like two steps forward and one step back, but at the end of the day, this is still one step forward. So Luke 10, 27, you must love the Lord God with all your heart, all your passion, your energy, and your every thought. It comes down to this, right? No no action. God gives this to us. He gives it freely. It's not something we have to do. It's not something that we have to contend. It's not a prayer that we have to pray. God gives this to us. So this is our calling. comes down to little more than a shift in our minds. When you're in the furnace, the wilderness, the fire, lift your eyes and go. God, I'm excited for what is to come. These are the people we're here with. I'm excited for the time, the heat, the challenges in our lives. These times let us become more complex. They form our shape. They let us come out of the other side of something wholly considered by you, by the earth. And that's in so much need the earth is in so much need of the new wine that He's calling us to be. So Colossians 3:15, 15, 17, 15 through 17, the Passion Translation. Let your heart always be guided with peace of the Anointed One, who called you to peace as part of His one body. Always be thankful. Let the words of Christ live in you richly, flooding you with all wisdom. Let every activity in our lives Every word that comes from our lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, and bring you your constant praise to God the Father, because what Christ has done for you. Lord, I pray today that we can release our minds, we can we can release our pre, pre-described thoughts, but when we reach these times of crisis, we choose to welcome it as a friend. Instead of turning bitter, bitter, thinking that you're out to get us, Lord, I pray that we we can look up and we can see that this is just a time for us to become whole. This can be a time that we're going to grow and rise and expand, become complex. We can become sweet wine rather than vinegar. I pray that our ears are open. I pray that we can contend these things in our heart, meditate study, devote to you.
1: Amen, amen. Wasn't that good? So good. Thank you, Mike. I, I love the topic of transformation. I, I pretended like I wore my butterfly shirt on purpose. Actually, I stole it from Lily, um, but she stole it from me originally, so it's fine. Um. I wanted to talk about something really quick on the backside of what Mike just shared. And this is something that has been on my heart for a, a few weeks now. And in that, and I loved it that he brought up the Israel coming out of Egypt into the wilderness, right? Do you think that the wilderness was supposed to be the wilderness as we know it today? No, no. And this is something that God is just really putting on my heart and, and transforming my mind. Speaking of transformation to, to, begin to understand what it is that he's doing. He's very intentional in everything that he does. And and currently, you could look at at my life and say, she's really in, sister's really in a wilderness time. However, what God is showing me, and I don't care whether you can see it or not, because maybe it's hidden from your view, is that my wilderness look is actually my launch pad. Okay? What Jesus was doing when he sent Moses to lead an entire nation out of bondage was supposed to be their launch pad. It was because of the nature of their grumbling and complaining and desire to go back into bondage that they stayed there for 40 years. Had they chosen to view it as a launch pad, who knows where we would be today? Right? Right? I realize that the stories on the back side of that, Joshua and all the boys, those are fun stories. But what if right now you're standing on a launch pad and because of, because we're all prophetic, say, I am prophetic. Even if I don't know what that means, I am prophetic, right? You were made to speak, right? You were made to transform things with your words. So no matter what, whether you think you're prophetic or not, you are made to proclaim something. When you are proclaiming garbage, guess what? Just get used to the dump. Because that's where you're going to exist. It is by your proclamation that you exist. Where you're at. So if you'll take the time to ask God, Show me where my feet are at right now. Maybe he's going to uncover some real truth and reveal to you that you're actually standing on a launch pad. Something that God said to me this morning, I was out walking the dog in, in the backyard and and he said to me, "Hey, hey, Angie, have you ever coached a team to lose? Like, have you ever taken the entire season?" And, and, and used it to, to coach the team to be losers. And I thought, of course not. Like, who would intentionally coach their team to lose? Like, God, that's, that's silly. And he's like, tell my people that they're coaching themselves to be losers. Because we don't think that we deserve the goodness that he has in store for us. He's like, why are you telling yourselves? Why are you training your mind to be a loser, to always be on the losing side? Do you know he says that we are the head and not the tail? But so much, so many of us walk around like we're the tail, like we're the backside of something that we belong in the dump. Stop coaching yourself to lose. Change your mind. This is exactly what the children of Israel were doing in the wilderness. It's why they stayed there so long. Is because they were coaching themselves mentally to lose. Change your minds. You're not a loser. You're the head. Some of you are addicted to sulking. Seriously, I think that that anxiety is our real addiction problem in the world. Do you know the Bible actually says, be anxious for, say it, who said it? Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Yet, the church is riddled with anxiety right now, and we're just like, mental health awareness. Because we're addicted to it. We're addicted to it. Stop. Coach yourself to be a winner. Coach yourself to see the promise and not the dump. You're not in the wilderness. Say, I'm not in the wilderness. I'm on a launch pad. This is fun. I love this. I am the move. Power is leaking from me. Watch out, friends. Because here I come. Yeah. We have to start saying things that align with heaven that are true of us. It's actually not cute to be like, mm. it's not, it's gross. I'm sorry, that was just like a whole, like, mm. nobody likes me so mistreated. You are going to miss the move of God because you're so busy complaining. Here's the deal. I want to tell you a very real, I didn't intend to go this long, but just stick with me for a second because I feel like this is important. Uh, right now, John, Lily, Zane, and I are living at John's parents' house, and this is, this is a God-ordained scenario that we are we are a response To prayers and petitions that have gone up daily, John's mom says, I'm so thankful that you're here. I got a message this last week from from Carol's um, sister, John's Aunt Jackie, who I love. Um, And she was just like, Angie, I don't think you understand what an answer you guys are. Like you are changing what is happening in this home right now. And I was just kind of like, holy cow. I mean, that was just really powerful to hear. And, and Carol has even said that she's like, things are just different since you guys have moved in. And um, I could look at this and go like, this feels like 20 steps backwards. I'm living at parent's house, right? But it's not. God's like, Angie, this is a launch pad and I want you to recognize everything that I'm doing all around you. See, the thing is, is that we could become so busy grumbling and complaining and not seeing what he's doing that we're going to miss the miracles. This last week, John's dad had an appointment in Topeka. Just a checkup kind of appointment. There was so much anxiety surrounding this appointment That the talk in the house, the chatter in the house was, they're going to keep him. We're not going to be able to come home. How many times do we do this? Do we self-protect with bad news? Yikes. We do this. We self-protect with bad news because we're trying to beat destiny to the punchline or something. So we go i'm I'm with John and Carol. we go to to the v a in Topeka. It was a lovely trip. We get in there the The nurses are just blown away. he has he had a stage four wound bed sore. You guys, I've never seen anything like it like legit a a crater a uh, bizarre anyway. The nurses are like, "Oh my gosh, listen." the diagnosis was stage 4 incurable like they had already said they had already proclaimed you will die from this wound alone we get there and these nurses are just like what happened like the the wound is now a stage 3 so um curable it seems and here's the other deal that was monday the friday before that John and his mom and dad were taken by ambulance to Gary Community Hospital because his blood pressure had plummeted. And while they were there, the doctor did not want to release him because he was septic. You don't recover from this, medical professional. Truth. Thank you. You don't recover from this. When it was brought up on Monday at this appointment, they were like, what are you talking about? He's not septic. It took four or five days. Do you remember four or five? Maybe it was just yesterday. Was it just yesterday? It was. It was just yesterday morning that Carol goes, it's a stage three wound now. He's not septic. I'm telling you this story because I want us to understand how often this happens to us. Because we're trying to beat the bad news by surrounding ourselves with bad news. Do you see how insane this is? This is what the children of Israel did. Just send us back, Moses. Why have you brought us out here to die? Moses is like, I don't get it. I'm meeting with God every day. Can't you see this is our launch pad, Israel? Miracles are happening right now in the home that we're living in. God is changing things, and I just I feel audacious enough to say. John is going to get up out of that bed. He's going to be healed. Not only is he going to, God's, God's not just invested in healing a bed sore. He's invested in reversing a 30 year long disease. I saw it in a dream. And what was funny is God was already showing me. He's like, Angie, pay attention, pay attention to what's happening. He showed me a dream that everyone was so distracted that they missed the fact that the man got up out of the bed. Don't miss the miracles all around you because you're distracted by self-protection. Become the move. Become the response. Become the solution. See, the thing is, is like we're not looking for something ambiguous to enter into the room and something that is just out there. You are it. You are breakthrough. You are carrying, you are hosting presence. It's you. I think that if God is after one thing, if we could boil it down to one thing right now, is that his people would be audacious enough to believe that we are who he says we are. Pepper? Yeah? Okay. I'm going to have... You guys, maybe you haven't met Pepper and Jonathan. They are joining us from Topeka. I think that that's kind of awesome. Um, Pepper came and sat with me on um, Thursday, and we had the most phenomenal conversation. And I want her to come up and share a dream um, that she had. Was that on Wednesday night that you had the dream the night before we, Thursday? Okay. Um, I, I want her to come and share this dream because I, it's a prophetic dream, you guys. And, and one thing that I, I don't want to preface anything, but I I do want to say that pay attention to the, the, um, the whole polarity that God was presenting before her in this dream for you to really capture it. Okay. I want you to just really like lean in and pay attention to what it is that that God was doing. She, even as she was retelling the dream, she was shaken and, and teary and, and it was beautiful. Like the, the, the power of God assured into the room as she shared this dream. So pay attention. Don't, don't go off anywhere. Pay attention. Go ahead and come on up. If you guys haven't met Pepper and Jonathan yet, be sure to introduce yourselves before they leave today.
2: all (laughs) thank you man i hope that i can contain my excitement i know my demeanor may not show it but i just feel like something's jumping out of me (laughs) you know and it's been that way since friday but uh, man where to begin first of all when i knew i was going to meet with angie friday the Lord was very specific with me and he said, I want you to tell her specifically this that I want to work on in you. And, you know, that's a vulnerable thing and a vulnerable moment for someone that you don't even know, but God said it's safe. She's a safe place. So, um, that Thursday I had a dream and, uh, In the dream, it was very disturbing because there was kind of overt, very overt and perverse sexual acts and just things that people don't even want to talk about or hear or discuss that, you know, and and um, it was all very disturbing. And in this dream, I was next to a person and they we were getting ready to go to on a walk and they they were making themselves up and they wanted me to wear this wig and it was kind of snarling and, and ratty and nappy and I put the wig on and I said to the person after this I'm not gonna do this wig again my own hair looks better than this wig and the dream I was still in the same room <clears throat> excuse me but the dream kind of shifted And I have this beautiful, beautiful, ornate wine bottle. It's about this tall, and the base of it was about this wide, and it was etched with grapes, and it had a long flute-like neck on it. And it was like blue and turquoise and purple, and the colors, depending on which way the light hit it, you saw a different aspect of the wine bottle. And so I took the wine bottle, and I put it in a cabinet and I began to shut the doors and I'm thinking in a dream. I don't know if you ever think in your dreams, but I think in my dream and I'm thinking to myself in the dream as I'm putting the wine bottle, I'm thinking, man, what a shame to put such a beautiful wine bottle on a shelf. And so, um, and then there was some other elements and details of the dream, but, um, when I woke up, you know one of the first things god said to me was stop putting your anointing on the shelf and you ever have a dream that you're still feeling what you felt in the dream so when i woke up i felt dirty and icky and yucky and i just i couldn't shake that feeling and then god said to me the way you feel as that's how i feel about when you try to be somebody or not, or when you aren't who I created you to be, just like people in those dreams are doing acts that weren't them. And they were trying to be people they were not. And, and it was all so perverse and man, 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 I can't tell you Woo, how that hit me to the core. He said, that's how I feel when you're not who I created you to be. That's how you offend me. And so the first order of business was just to repent. I said, God, I am sorry. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I did not know. You know, we we live in a world that is riddled with people with all kinds of identity crisis. And they're not just all teenagers. They're people my age, your age. They're old. They're young. They don't know who they are, what they are, where they belong. And so if you gave me a list to check off for that day, that week, robbed a bank. Nope, got that one. Perpetrated an act of violence. Nope, I'm good. Didn't offend God there. You weren't yourself. Uh-oh. But that offended you. Yeah, that offended me, just like if you robbed a bank, just like if you perpetrated an act of violence. And so, um, I don't know. You just talk about a wake-up call. And so I just appreciate being here. At unedited life at this season of life. And I was even sharing with Angie how God said, now you look up what unedited means. And it's like, it's unaltered. It's unchanged. It's left the way I made it because it's in its original state. And it's beautiful because I made it that way. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Angie. Thank you, Jesus.
1: <laughs> Amazing, right? Not awesome. Yeah, you can clap. That's incredible. It's incredible. So anyway, I, I hope that, I hope that you feel the weight of that, that, you know, the, the perverse scenes that were in her dream that she was just like, you know, why do I have to see this was like that? That's how God feels when we refuse to be fully us. So I, I stand up. I, w- I want us all to stand. We're just going to, we're going to end this thing with a, a prayer. First of all, I just want you to just take a few seconds to just ask God, like, where, where have I not rightly represented who I am in an unedited form, right? So take just a few seconds to just survey. And then just tell him, I want to be who you made me to be. Is that simple. There's repentance as a turnaround. As quickly as you can turn around physically, you can repent. Just, God, I want to be who you made me to be. I'm just going to pray over you. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for each person and each calling, each destiny that is about to just explode on the scene. That we would be a people that live fully as you've designed. That we would be those who respond to your voice quickly. That we would go where you send us. That we would say what you're saying. Do what you're doing. That we really would be your ambassadors on the earth. Just tell him. Say, I'm in. Like, mean it. I'm in, Jesus. <laughs> Lily all by herself, like together, let's say I'm in Jesus. Yes. Father, I just thank you. Thank you for all that, that you're doing among us right now, that you're opening our eyes to allowing us to see what it is that you're doing, that we are, we are moving away from the junk, from the garbage, from the wandering. And we are going to be intentional to see your hand moving, that we will not miss the most minute miracle that you're doing right before us. Thank you for eyes to see. Amen.